it's possible and it must be embraced in our society that a father can take the lead on caregiving and can be a beautiful and talented caregiver. And I'm just going to summarise that very shortly in one more sentence, that it's possible to be a man and to be a caregiver. I am very appreciative to have John Adams as guest number seven on the It's Possible series in conjunction with Canada's Career Month. John is the blogger of Dad Blog UK, a official LinkedIn changemaker focused on flexible work, a journalist, a book author, and as he will be sharing, he is going into education. And today we will be talking about the aspects of lifelong learning, why caregiving can be done by everybody, regardless of gender, and much more. I'm super excited to have John on the show today. Hello, John. Welcome to the It's Possible show. Uh, hi, Karen. Thanks for, thanks for having me on It's Possible. It is so nice to see you again all the way from the UK. And I am delighted to have global guests on the show for the career month here in Canada to have many people learn about best practices from all over the world. Well, you're right. The, the best practice comes from all over the world. So it's great to be uh, a part of this. Uh, and what can I say? Like all right thinking people, I'm a huge fan of Canada. So, <laughs> Thank you so much. And so now there might be people who are listening to us right now live or watching the replay or later when we will have the podcast episode up who might not know you yet. So I've asked my guests to introduce themselves in the working out loud methods by introducing themselves with five facts. So could you do that, please? Uh, certainly. Okay. So five facts. Well, I'm a dad of two girls, uh, Helen, who's almost 13 and nine-year-old uh, Izzy. I'm married to Jill. She is the main uh, financial provider for the family because, fact two, uh, for the past decade, uh, I've been the children's main carer, uh, and I've also had a side hustle, uh, basically as a blogger and content creator, primarily uh, at my blog, dadbloguk.com, where I write about family life, parenting, and being the main carer uh, for my kids. I just have to casually mention that it is the UK's number one fatherhood blog and has been named so for the past four years running. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get onto this, but I have also just returned to higher education. So I'm a busy person. So three, um, I was an extra uh, in the film, The Madness of King George. Uh, fact four, um, I have just been released from 10 days of isolation, as I'm afraid I have. I did develop the dreaded COVID-19. Um, as a blogger, uh, I have interviewed Hollywood A-listers, including Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, and Steve Carell. I could probably think of a few others with a bit more time. Um, and bonus question I was asked to do, something Canada-related. So um, many years ago, uh, I was actually a travel journalist, uh, and I was on the first ever flight, a Virgin Atlantic flight, that flew from London Gatwick 
uh, to Toronto. Now, I didn't realise quite how big this news was till I started talking to a Canadian friend of mine who told me that British Airways and Air Canada had dominated the the London-Toronto route. So the fact Virgin Atlantic had opened this up was uh, was quite big news in Canada, so I'm told. Unfortunately, September the 11th brought an end to that route, but I was on the first flight anyway. So there you go. Thank you so much for introducing yourself. And it is so interesting to learn new facts about you. And, you know, thank you for talking already about the fact that you have been the main carer for your children for many years. And what I'm curious about is, especially as we have young professionals and recent graduates listening to us. So when you first thought about your career, how did you think about potential caregiving in the future and your role with that? Yeah, that that is uh, a really good question. Um, and the honest answer is I didn't really think about it a great deal. I simply felt that I would go into the world, the world of work, and just probably at some point uh, fall into the usual dad's goes to work and works uh and uh mum stays behind and does most of um the family stuff now i think i always knew that i was going to be uh, a reasonably uh, you know involved and hands-on father i think i would have c considered any other approach to be a dereliction of duty to be honest with you um but i can't say i'd given it a huge amount of um thought uh and as it happens <laughs> as as the way the world goes, Karen, I'm, I, I, I'm, I got married uh, and then a, a year later basically got separated and divorced. So that didn't quite go as planned. Um, with with my second wife, uh, with, with Mrs. Adams, who I'm very delighted to say I'm still married to, I have to say. And, and you know, may, may that's, you know, may it last this time. Um, you know, we had kids. Um, and again, we didn't have... We didn't have that much discussion about it, but uh, but that was really because, um, and this is an issue I think is particularly prevalent in Canada, where I think in the UK property prices are astronomical, but I think in Canada, from my understanding of talking to, to Canadians I know, in Canada, you've got a real problem with, with, with property prices. Um, and I, my wife and I, I don't think we didn't really talk about it a great deal because we just both thought that we had to work full time uh, to pay the mortgage. Um, now, the co a comment that I would make um, is that my wife, she just is not the sort of person who is ever, E-V-E-R, capital letters, right? She is never, ever going to bake cakes for the parent teacher association okay caregiving is forced upon women and there's a really really interesting report that's produced every couple of years it's called the state of the world's fathers report and it's produced by a charity called promundo and men care and the 2015 report concluded by saying that men and women are as genetically hardwired to be caregivers as each other but that men do not have the opportunities to be uh, caregivers. So as I say, it's a really good report that just looks at the, the state of fatherhood at a particular uh, point in time. So anyway, um, my Mrs. Adams, as I, as I tend to call her publicly, and I, um, we had our first child, Helen. 
Um, she was in full-time uh, childcare uh, for, well, my wife had a period of maternity leave. Uh, she then went back to work full-time. So she was in full-time childcare for about a year. So we're talking about 18 months old by this point. And we discovered she was actually the only child in full-time childcare um, at that particular uh, nursery or kindergarten, as you probably call it. You ki Kindergarten in Canada or nursery? Um, I think it's preschool. Preschool. Okay, yeah. we'll call it preschool. Uh, and we weren't particularly happy um, with this. Um, so I wasn't hugely happy in my job at the time. So I suggested leaving my job and taking on a role sort of concentrating on family and uh, and home. Now, my wife wasn't entirely happy with this about this at first, but she came around to the idea. And actually, at first, I, I took on a part-time job uh, and combined that with, with being uh, Helen's uh, main care and concentrating on, on, on the home. Um, and over the years, things have fluctuated a bit. Uh, you know, sometimes I've worked part-time, sometimes I've not worked at all, sometimes I've made money, you know, through my my blogging and content creation. But but this approach has worked really well for us. My wife has been able to concentrate on her career. Uh, I've concentrated largely on family and home with my side hustle, you know, blogging, content creating. And the kids, because we subsequently had another daughter, um, the kids have had one of us concentrating um, on, on their care. Um, every family i have to stress this is different you know you could be a military family it could be that you know dad or mum whoever is away doing tours of duty for six months uh at a time it may be that someone works in law enforcement and does shift work which actually shift work can give you greater flexibility i'm just very very big on stressing that because for some families the traditional dad goes out to work mum stays at home um, will work perfectly for them but it is a case of having that freedom uh, ha removing those barriers to allow people from both genders to be able to to fulfill the caregiving role or the main breadwinning role whichever works for them and we're not in that place yet thank you so much for sharing your own experience now You've already said we are not there yet that it is really, you know, an equal of who can decide or who decides to um, go to um, the paid work if that's something, um, you know, a couple were to decide. But um, now for somebody who is a young professional, based on your own experience, what kind of advice or tip would you give them if they are, say, pre-family? pre-family okay i've got two or three do you want me to select one or do you want me to go through what i've got um, go ahead go through okay. all of them yes because i'm very <clears throat> curious to hear okay stop me when i say too much i am just going to have a, a quick glass of water, a mouthful of water that's okay and and thank you so much john that you're willing to come on to the show despite the fact that you just had COVID. i really really appreciate that Oh, it's it's uh, it's okay. Can't let COVID beat you, I'm afraid. Um, and anyone who has got COVID at the minute, best of luck and get well soon is what I'd say. And uh, just remember, wear a mask and get vaccinated. Anyway, um, right. So, advice for young professionals. Um, well, look at the um, parental benefits that are available to you. 
government benefits i know uh in the uk and i know in canada i know they're, they're done by um province uh and territory in in, in canada there is some diff there are some differences there but do check what the government um parental leave benefits are and also with your employer check where your parental leave benefits are we we are sort of moving in a, a direction whereby um, a lot of employers now are sort of equalizing things but that's not always the case you will still find with some employers excuse me that they are paying enhanced benefits to mothers still um which is very interesting because of course the one thing i haven't even mentioned yet which which is a big oversight on my behalf so do i do apologize is same-sex couples yes uh we must always consider uh the uh, same-sex couples and how they will uh, will balance things because not every family of course is is is, is mum and dad and of course you have single parents as well adopted parents foster parents and we, we must always um think about all the different uh families that are out there but anyway getting back to the question Look at your maternity and paternity benefits because um, that may have an influence on um, the, the childcare decisions that you make. Uh, take a long, hard look at the informal support networks that you have around you. Now, my wife and I, um, I live a good 100 miles away from my family. My wife is 400 miles away from her family. Uh, we have had no family around us. And uh, that is, uh, I've found actually with hindsight very difficult if you are able to to rely on informal support like that that's that's marvelous um i would also say what opportunities do you have to work flexibly or work from home now yes there are those opportunities possibly in manufacturing or heavy industry uh, where you you have got to be in your workplace um to work however um during the covid pandemic we've seen that there's a lot more flexibility out there than uh, that we actually realize that i've got a, a good friend who works in law enforcement now you'd imagine law enforcement you would have to be at your place of work actually he didn't have to be um wow. so uh look at the flexibility that your job offers now unless as i say you're in one of those heavy industry roles or something if you have no opportunity to work flexibly if you have no opportunity to work remotely change job seriously give it in and change job this is a 21st century we're not in the post-covid era covid is still out there but you know we're well down the track now uh employers who want to attract the best talent they've simply got to be flexible g-o-t um no arguments there um, within heterosexual couples, do not simply assume that mum is is going to be or got to be the default caregiver. Um, why shouldn't it be dad uh, if if that works better for that family, or indeed, can you you know share the role between you if that actually is is better for you? So there are a few a few um, sort of our tips and ideas for uh, for younger people. Actually, I will just add one. If you are going to be the main caregiver for your children, be you uh, female or male, um, I'm quite often asked, sort of on the perspective as a stay-at-home dad, what would you uh, tell people? And I always feel the answer I'm supposed to give is something about changing nappies or something like that. That's really boring advice, okay? There are so many books. There are so many YouTube videos. There are so many bloggers. I should know I am one who write about that, that, that stuff all the time what you actually need to do is you need to think about what 
is going to happen uh, three, five, seven, ten, fifteen years afterwards when when your your children are when you've got an empty nest basically or when they are in secondary school high school and you can potentially work again do you need to retrain will you need to keep various skills uh, up to speed and crucially what's going to happen to your pension you do need to think about pension so my the top thing i always say if you're going to be the main caregiver is pension 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 Thank you so much, John. I think this is so important to look at many different aspects of, you know, as you described, not just the first couple of months or years of being a caregiver, um, but further down the line. And now you've already mentioned um, the aspect of flexible work. And for people who might not know this, you are part of the official change makers linked in in the UK and on the aspect of the flexible work. And I'm curious, you know, why do you feel so passionate about that topic? Yes. Uh, okay. Good, good, good question. Can I just ask, do you have change makers in Canada yet? I can't remember um, if it's being launched there yet. No, I, to be very honest, I've seen it in the UK and I have seen it in Germany but I'm yeah. not aware of any other country. So I wonder if it gets will be rolled out. <laughs> uh, yes, I believe it, it is being uh, rolled out. Uh, and I think Germany was actually, if I'm, if I'm right on this, I think it was actually the second nation that Changemakers was, was, uh, was rolled out to. So, um, uh, yes, so I've uh, campaigned with LinkedIn to increase um acceptance of flexible working and remote working um and also availability of flexible uh, working the crucial point there is actually making it more uh, acceptable um now just to take a step back flexible working is often portrayed as a woman's issue now if we treat flexible working as a woman's issue the onus is always going to be on female employees to work flexibly what we need is men to be speaking up about flexible working so i was delighted when linkedin asked me to work on its change makers campaign or should i say uh it's high-profile, multi-award-winning Changemakers campaign. Because it's honestly, that LinkedIn has and, and its, its PR company, um, Brands to Life, they've won so many awards for Changemakers. It's been amazing. Uh, one second, sorry. <coughs> That's COVID for you. <laughs> anyway, um, why am I passionate about it? Um, I basically left full-time employment because I couldn't get the flexibility that I felt I needed to be the father I should or could be to my children. Now, I'm Generation X, and I stood out for taking that approach. Now, younger men um, take this to a whole new level. Uh, there's um, a fatherhood organization in the UK called Daddy Life. Now, three or four years ago, Daddy Life produced a very interesting report called the Millennial Dad at Work Report. And what Daddy Life discovered was that um, a year after becoming a father, a third of all fathers that took part in its, its, its this, this research project 
had changed jobs because they couldn't get the flexibility that they wanted. Wow. A further third were actively looking to change jobs. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's it's not uh, a woman's issue. I mean, actually, I know that HR professionals are one of the audiences um, for this and, and recruitment teams and so on. Men may actually be it's not particularly fashionable always for men to pipe up and express concerns about this. And, you know, all the research shows that men are, are actually quite scared to ask for flexible working. And actually, a man's request of flexible working, according to research I've seen in the UK and Australia, is twice as likely to be turned down as a woman's. And yet here we have, uh, you know, research showing that millennial men they're much more likely to do what I did and walk and they'll take their talent and their skills with them. Uh, and that's a message that employers need to hear and to heed. And as a society, we need to uh, think differently and appreciate that flexible working is not just uh, a woman's issue. And that's not to say that, um, you know, let, let's not overlook the fact that, uh, you, you, women very often are treated appallingly when they become mothers and women do have challenges working flexibly and balancing things because they do. Um, but we mustn't overlook the fact that actually this is a huge issue for men. So, uh, yeah, so I, I was really delighted when LinkedIn asked me to get involved in that campaign. Thank you so much, John, because I feel it is still often so you know rare in different countries that men speak up about flexible work so every time i you know read something from you and you talk about flexible work it it makes me feel very happy because the i feel the more role models there exist the more it's simply written about awareness is being erased and people start thinking yeah why not so i i am very appreciative no, that's great. And I'm, I, I, I like to raise uh, awareness of it. And like I said, I think LinkedIn took a bit of a risk by actually asking me uh, to, to sort of talk about flexible working, because the easy option would have been to have got uh, in a high profile um, uh, motherhood campaigner to do it. But no, they, they went with me. So I'm really appreciative of, of LinkedIn for doing that. Yeah, yeah. And now, you have talked earlier about, you know, different aspects in one's life, lifelong learning. And um, what I'm very curious about is asking my guests about transferable skills from different areas or what I call them life modules. So I would love to ask you what if you reflect back on your career including your unpaid care work, what kind of transferable skills do you feel you have learned from it? Okay, well, from, from care work, uh, I would say I have uh, learned, and I don't mean to make, I mean, this could sound like a joke. It's not meant to be. It really isn't. Uh, negotiation skills, um, because, uh, I mean, uh, anyone who's ever tried to negotiate anything with a child, especially a young child, uh, it, it's tougher than dealing with most adults it, it, in all seriousness. So I think anyone, um, if you haven't necessarily got to be the main caregiver to a child, but anyone who's got experience of dealing with children, you're going to 
get good negotiation skills. Um, communication skills are important. That's not necessarily just because um, you're dealing with children. Uh, if you think about all the people that you deal with, uh, all the different uh, healthcare workers, um, educationalists, other family members, all of them need uh, dealing with it in, in a different way. So communication uh, skills. Um, timekeeping is another one. Uh, although I'm pretty sure most parents will admit that actually timekeeping can be a bit all over the place. Um, I, I think crucial skills, actually, uh, flexibility uh, and adaptability, because, you know, you know, you've only got to have a child wake up in the morning ill and unable to go to school and you suddenly your plans for the day. You've, you've got to completely uh, rework them. You especially, I think, as children get older, you, um, you have to be a a really good listener because they are going to come they're going to come across challenges and things that uh, you're going to have to help them with um research skills i think is another one obviously i'm uh sort of harking back to my journalism days there um but you know you do have to research all sorts of things be it shark facilities schools uh, where you're going to live you know if you're ever sort of looking to to move house uh and yes <laughs> speaking about my thinking about my recent experiences um i think you know covid19 has been on the news so much for the past 18 months uh, but it isn't until you and your family all get it that you really become an expert on dealing with bloody covid19 um so yes so there are all sorts of things um, that I think you do. I mean, I think uh, another point I would make is this is maybe not completely relevant to your question, but I'd say that something I have come to appreciate and something that I've, I've um, is that uh, education and skills uh, development um, is lifelong. Uh, we've, you know, I think, oops, sorry, I think we all. Um, go through the school system uh, and those of us such as myself were fortunate enough to have gone through the higher education system and then it's almost sort of like education ends there finally may do training courses at work but for the majority of us we don't really carry on and what what I found after sort of a decade of being the main carer for my kids is various opportunities are open to me and various opportunities that I may possibly follow up sort of um, career-wise once once my youngest daughter is at school. But I have actually returned to um, higher education myself in recent months. Um, I did a different qualification uh, when I was uh, in my early 20s, a, a higher national diploma, a, a journalism qualification that wasn't quite to degree level. So I'm, I'm now uh, effectively topping that up now with uh, and studying for for a bachelor's degree now that I would hope um, uh, I've just got about another year's worth of study fingers crossed I shall then then actually have that and I'll look into um, uh, I'm not too sure exactly well I've got, I know what I want to do um, but, uh, but uh, it go, I'm going to go into education in some way that that that's that's my plan um, so yes you, you know, education is a lifelong thing and we should be thinking about this i'll just expand on that very quickly in that i used to uh, and i mean i used to work for an organization called the pension protection fund in the uk um which oh gosh i'll be here all night if i tell you what it does but it basically pays uh compensation to people if a pension scheme fails and we worked a lot with actuaries and the one thing that actuaries have consistently done since the dawn of time is underestimate um 
how long you're going to live. Now, when I was in my 30s, actuaries were estimating that someone in your 30s would live until they were about 100 years of age. So how long someone like myself will actually live, who knows? But we've got to prepare and think differently about having two or three or maybe even four careers during our life because the traditional retirement age is 65 that's like a third of you know your, your working life by the time you maybe finish high, uh, higher education to 65 that's about a third of your life uh, and government pension schemes just cannot support that full stop end of the matter no matter what they do so we've all got to prepare to work much longer but listen i've gone well off topic karen i've gone well off topic i i, I, I should i should stop talking <laughs> well you know john what is so important though what you just said is that you know, anybody who is listening, who is at the beginning of their career, I feel more and more, as you have also said, it's lifelong learning. It's no longer a typical, you know, moving up the ladder within maybe one industry, but there will be so many different aspects to one's career. And I think what you just shared about your own career aspiration, I think is awesome because it really demonstrates to people listening to us you know one can always change and it's you know you might not have initially when you were doing your journalism um course ever thought that one day you would be where you are today you know thinking about getting into education i i i'd have run a mile <laughs> i would never have considered it <laughs> And, and but you know and i think this is so important as well that at the beginning of one's career i mean there are some people who might be very focused and specializing whether that is law or a, you know a medical profession but then there are many people who are more on a generalist type um career path and i think that is important to realize that both ways are perfectly you know fine and it isn't something that everybody at age say 20 needs to know for the rest of their life where they are going and so so i'm super appreciative for you to share you know your own career path well oh, thank you carol yes and um good luck to the 20 year old who does know exactly where they want to be because at that age i wanted to be a journalist uh, which i did um <coughs> sorry <laughs> But uh, yes, I, I, we've all got to prepare. You know, things are going to change. Uh, I, I never thought I'd end up being the main carer for my kids for more than a decade, but I have been. So, you know, you have got to be, um, it's going back to, to the question you asked. Got to be flexible and adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know, you know, we, uh, I'm going to be, you know, appreciative that you are talking to me despite coming to the end of your COVID time. So I don't want to, you know, um, make it super long our conversation also I would love to talk with you more so um, what I would like to make sure is like if you look at the pandemic do you feel like um, has it helped or hindered like you know focus on flexible work or you know unpaid care work what is your view and where do you hope we will be in maybe five or ten years Okay, where I hope we would be in five or ten years is an acceptance that remote working 
uh, is just standard practice. And what we also need to do is we need to get away from the idea that remote working means working from home. OK, um, remote working, look, it should it should free you up so that you can go to your child's nativity play uh, at school. It, you know, you could have caring responsibilities for your older parents who live 150 miles away. It could mean that two days a week you work from their house. You maybe work from your office for two days a week and you work from home for one day a week. It could be if you are, you know, young, free and single and you have not got childcare responsibilities. It could be that you are, uh, what's it, what's the beach in Vancouver? Wreck Beach, isn't it? In, in in Vancouver, would you work from Wreck Beach? I'm trying to think now. It's been a long time since I've been there. Okay, maybe but, you're watching from from Wreck Beach as the sun is setting. Uh, you know what? So anyway, remote. Okay, I want remote working to just become standard practice as far as possible. But the pandemic has been a huge help. We've seen that flexible working can work. Now, my brother made a very interesting observation. When we entered uh, in the UK, we entered our first hard lockdown on March the 23rd, 2020. Now, my brother-in-law said to me, imagine if you told your IT team that on March the 23rd, everyone in your organization would have to work from home. They would simply tell you that it couldn't be done. OK, yeah. I'm sorry to have to uh, I, I don't mean to criticize uh, IT teams, but I'm sure we've all had enough experience to know that you know that, that that would almost certainly have been the response when forced to by government oddly it worked and i mean speaking for myself i think there were a couple of weeks where things were a bit shaky you never quite knew if you're going to be able to get hold of someone or not but after that initial two weeks everything seemed to work and what we had at that particular point in time was pandemic home working which was dreadful let's just be quite frank what what we were all doing was we were balancing working from home with remote schooling of our children and the schools at that point hadn't actually caught up or got decent systems in place and it was stressful we also could only leave home for very limited reasons um so and and a huge amount of the domestic burden of the pandemic did indeed fall on women but look closer at the data. There was a very interesting uh, report published by the University of Plymouth called the Parenting in the Pandemic Study. And there was a further one. I think it was called Time with Dad, which was done by the UK's Fatherhood Institute. Now, sure, if you plotted it on a graph, you'd see the amount of uh, domestic work done by women increased during the pandemic. Uh, but it did also for men. And the interesting thing is that when you removed the commute from a man's day, he tended to spend that time with the children. Okay, so what's going to happen? Well, unfortunately, in the UK, we have a government that is just intent on going back to the old ways. Uh, most employers are not actually playing ball with this. And most employers seem to have cottoned on that if they want to retain the talent, they've got to stay flexible. Um, it's very just to give you a comparison. It's very interesting that in the UK, the government is intent on trying to force people back to the workplace, whereas in the Republic of Ireland, the government is doing all it's can to roll out super fast broadband because it sees home working as a way to regenerate rural communities that have been left on the back burner for years. So it's just interesting to see the different approaches. Now, what's actually happening or that I think is happening, and I'm basing this anecdotally, 
what we're seeing being introduced is hybrid working. So in reality, what we're seeing is people maybe being at home two or three days a week or out there in the workplace two or three days a week. It's a logical step. Um, and I can see why we're going that way, because, you know, employers don't quite want to give up the workplace and some employees don't quite want to give up the workplace either. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of hybrid because it's not truly remote. It's not truly flexible. OK, especially those employees who are saying, right, you can work at home Monday and Friday, but Tuesday, uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you must be in the workplace. That's not really flexible working. That's actually very rigid working. Um, but Rome was not built in a day. You know, to expect this change to come about overnight to true flexible remote working, a bit unrealistic to expect that to happen. So I'm cautiously welcoming the hybrid uh, approach because I think it is a huge step towards um, genuine flexibility. But I think what we have seen is, I don't know, five, six, maybe even a decade's worth of advances in the workplace have come, bam, they've happened in 18 months. So we've definitely seen a huge uh, positive change, but it's still more to do. Yeah, I I, I so agree with you. And um, yeah, especially in my mind, like part-time careers and job sharing and top sharing, as you know, these I'm very passionate about. Um, now, is there anything, John, that you would like to share with our audience that you feel we haven't covered yet? Um, no, I I think uh, I'm okay. I know you did ask me to prepare a few it's possible sentences. Yes, if you want please. me to, I can fire away. Yes, okay. <clears throat> so um, uh, first one's a little, little bit longer than I intended it to be, but I, I've made this point already. It's possible to retrain and requalify in later life. Now, I've spoken about the fact that I'm presently, uh, you know, distance learning um, with, with with the Open University in the UK. But I've actually, during the first lockdown, um, I started studying for GCSE Maths, which is the standard mathematics qualification taken at high school. This is a qualification I did not pass uh, at uh, at high school. It didn't hold me back as a journalist. Um, but if I, if I was going to go into education, it's a qualification that I had to get. Now, I didn't pass it first time. I had to resit it a couple of times. But I did actually get that GCSE maths in the end. And of course, I've now gone back uh, to, to higher education as well. So it's possible to retrain and requalify later in life. Um, so it's possible and it must be embraced in our society that a father can take the lead on caregiving and can be a beautiful and talented caregiver. And I'm just going to summarise that very shortly in one more sentence, that it's possible to be a man and to be a caregiver. Wow. This is, I mean, this is such a perfect finishing of our conversation to summarise it you know so well in your it's possible statements thank you so much john for being my guest today no thank you uh thank you for for having me on just remember people it's possible uh, and my love to canada a country i love a great deal thank you and now how can people find you on social media john ah yes uh okay so linkedin you'll find me as john 
Adam's Dad Blog UK. Dad Blog UK is one word. Um, you will find me on all the, the main social media channels, so Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, as at Dad Blog UK. Uh, you will find me on, oh, you actually find my blog itself um, is dadblogukcom Great. And what I will also do when we change, uh, when we create a podcast episode out of our conversation, I will be sure to put in the show notes all of the links so people can, you know, find you on social media. And thank you so much again for being my guest, John. No, thank you again, Karen. This is great to speak to you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.